Five. Good morning. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. I am your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio today, I have Dan Robinson, the Chief Research and Analyst for the Department of Labor's Alaska Economic Trends Magazine. How you doing? Good, good. How about you? You know, I'm doing all right. I enjoyed the fourth. I got some time off. It was a nice break. Nice. But now we got to talk economics. <laughs> That's fun, too. That's like fireworks. It's, it's a different kind of fireworks. Amen. So obviously the big theme of this Trends Magazine was looking at the cost of living. And we did a story about this a while back, but I did want to go through some of the numbers that you guys have in your study this time. And the first big one I want to hit is really the drivers of inflation. What's causing Alaska's inflation rate to be what it is? Yeah, we do this article every year, usually July. Um, and it's it, Alaskans pay more attention to cost of living and inflation uh, because it's an expensive place. Inflation's been a big story, an unusually big story uh, during the pandemic and then a little even even a little bit going into the pandemic. Alaska had for the first time in its history uh, negative inflation. So prices actually went down. Then prices went way up during COVID and they they're just coming down now in the most recent data. Um and in terms of the drivers, it's 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 a it's an unusually messy uh, set of factors because again of the pandemic, uh, pe- what people bought changed, how much of what they bought changed, supply chain uh, were chains were disrupted, so so some of some of what uh, we can tie to the pandemic is is kind of going away. Things are normalizing. But there are some things, housing being the main one, that are keeping inflation a little higher than average okay. still. But but way down from from the peak. Uh, we were 8.1% in 2022. We'll, we'll for sure be lower than that in 2023 when, the, when all the data are in. Gotcha. And to further make people feel a bit better, part of this data shows you know, our inflation almost all the way back to 1962. It, it, it's been worse. Yeah, that's a good point. We, we, when all the stories about runaway inflation were hitting, that was one of our focuses is to remind people that, yes, it's the highest it's been in a long time, but if you go far enough back, it was noticeably higher. So, for example, our all-time high was 13.7%. We were 8.1 at its peak. So we, we've been here before, and we've been in worse inflation situations before. Right. And when I had seen that number, I was trying to kind of put that into my perspective of how much that would impact things, especially nowadays, because seeing it back then, you're like, okay, well, you know, things were valued differently back then. And so it's harder to compare it with current inflation. Yeah. And we, we just got used to inflation being very low for a long time. And it reminds me a little bit of interest rates. You get lo- used to them being low. Then when they come to kind of normal ranges, it, it, it gets your attention because suddenly something new is happening that you're not happy about. Things cost more than they used to. Right. And that becomes a matter of like, as you continue to observe it, then maybe you can catch on faster. Like, okay, this isn't, you know, a new phenomenon. This has been a trend for some time or even in the inverse. Okay. Things have been going down for a while. There's a trend there as well. Right. And, and, and best case people kind of have some awareness of what's driving it 
and how long it will last. And sometimes politics gets in the way of that. One party wants to, you know, throw stones at the other party. So the perception is that inflation is going to be runaway forever until we get a, you know, change of administration. And that that's if you look at the data, it's almost always driven by non-political factors. Right. It, uh, it becomes a very useful campaign tool. You're like, yes. oh, look, because yes. these people gas are Gas prices or, yeah. Yeah. I think gas prices is the perfect one. I've always, I remember explaining in the past, you know, gas prices are impacted still in that sort of supply and demand aspect. It's not who's in charge. It's what is causing us to get more gas, get less gas. And then that's where you see those price changes. Of course, us just saying that I don't think it's going to change a lot of people's minds on that, but it's good to put it out there. Yeah, I agree. And, 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 and not to say politics is irrelevant because how much oil we're pumping and all those things it plays a role but but yeah we we hope that that one of the benefits of these types of articles is people see the the real drivers whatever they are and and generally mostly non-political right and now when you mentioned that housing was really like the largest it seems to be the largest driver that was noted in the article thinking about it in the juno context that doesn't seem that surprising yeah and and um, housing, so just to flesh that out a little bit, when we talk about overall inflation, housing has the largest weight, which means it, it, it's what most, what, what the average consumer spends the highest percentage of their uh, money on, which makes sense. So what housing does, whether it's rising or falling, influences disproportionately what's going on in the overall inflation rate. Uh, Juno is interesting in Alaska overall because despite not a lot of population growth for a while, housing has continued to go up. One thing this article talks about, though, is that lots of U.S. cities have noticeably more expensive housing than any Alaska city. So as expensive as things are here, you'd have it a lot worse if you lived in Honolulu, San Francisco, a long list of other cities. Right. And we'll get into those sort of those kinds of comparisons a bit later on in the show. But, you know, looking at, you know, this is me looking at the sort of percentages that were included as for inflation per category. And when it comes to housing, it looks like the largest percentage of inflation in that category. You're looking at, you know, your furnishing and operations. So for operations, I'm assuming, no, it's not utilities. Utilities is a separate thing. Yeah. And, and housing, when you think about housing, the cost, the biggest one is what you pay for, for shelter. And then you've got the, the associated costs, utilities, maintenance. And it's that shelter, the, the, the basic part of housing that's going up the most. Um, the other ones, and, and, and even if the other ones go up a little bit, and I'm just looking at the data as we talk. Um, so electricity, for example, there was decent, or no, there was high-ish housing inflation over the period we measure, but that's a very small percentage of your overall housing costs. The bulk of it is what you pay for the, the, the structure and how that's measured is kind of complicated. We won't go into now. Okay. I think another uh, key difference, one that got, that was interesting, that was noted, was the difference between uh, food and how that is driving a gap as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, people probably saw, experienced, or heard about some of the meat and egg, egg in particular. Egg prices were wild. Milk was was strange for a while. There are different reasons for that. I, a lot of it supply chain. There were for eggs. There was a, a bird flu uh, phenomenon. Um, but yeah, those those costs have come almost all the way back down. So whatever that that story is pretty much behind us. The the food specific inflation um, spike. Okay, because I was gonna say because I also 
Well, this now this number's got my attention. Maybe you can elaborate more on it. One, I'm looking at those April the April inflation stats again, and I see gas of all types went down 17.5 percent. Yeah, yeah, that's a big movement, and and gas is unusual. Most things uh, go up a lot or stay flat. It's there aren't that many types of things that that where the prices go up and down. Gas is one. Um, that definitely goes up and down. And and that April you mentioned, that's April 2023 compared to April 2022. You go back far enough when we were pushing $5 gas. It came way down. It's since gone back up a little bit. But but that's an unusual thing and a very visible thing that, that, that the price really can go up by a high percentage. And then it comes not always back down, but historically... If it, if it spikes, it'll it'll tend to come back down over some you know subsequent six twelve months, right? And that would align with what we were talking about earlier, where you see those changes because of supply demand, external factors influencing. Yeah, well. oil prices. I mean, Ukraine was part of that story. Yeah. Okay. Now, I do want to touch on this a little bit before we go into our break, because then we'll talk on it more afterwards. There's also looking at it comparatively between cities within the state, because we'll do we'll do national comparisons in the second half. But I want to hit some of these in the first half for at least within the state. And so one of these is the average single family house. And this is looking at its rent and sales prices is what I've got here. And Juno is the highest one on here with the price being $513,119 for in 2022, which is says is a 7.8% change. Yeah, yeah, and at the at the other end we've got Fairbanks at three thirty seven, but but every city with the exception of Ketchikan that we that we include here had pretty big price increases year to year. So that's a story with housing that we we've we've written about and we'll write more about kind of why housing prices have gone up as much as they have and and what how that ends. Will they come back down? Will they stabilize? Uh, so housing will be a big story for a while. Interest rates uh, are, are rising. Right. And, and I think that that one kind of seems quite straightforward. I'm sure people have noticed that increase in housing over the years. I'm sure, I'm especially sure people have noticed that here in Juneau. But we are going to have to go into our break when we come back. We'll talk more about those comparative costs among Alaska towns, and then we'll look at it a bit more on the national scale. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. And we are back on Action Line Now, during the first half of the show, we were talking a lot about, you know, some of those drivers for inflation. Then we started getting into, you know, comparing the costs among Alaska towns. And now during the break, we were starting to talk about rent because I was looking at those rent numbers and seeing that, you know, the Juneau city and Juneau's average rent for March of this year was about $14 and 20, not $14, (laughs) that'd be a dream, (laughs) $1,420, which was about a 4% change from the year prior. But then you compare that to say like somewhere like Anchorage, which is about 1,532, Bethel was about 1,600. And so in a way, that kind of makes the Juno rent not seem as bad, seeing some of those numbers. <laughs> yeah, we're about mid-pack, and, and that's adjusted rent, so that's uh, including utilities, conceptually. Which there's some data challenges. But yeah, Juno, it, it's interesting that we're kind of mid-pack when, when typically uh, we, we tend to be on the higher side. And we are number one, like we talked about before the break, for uh, average single-family home price. There too, it's interesting that the rental costs went up, not quite as high of a as a percentage 
um, in general, I'm looking, so general's rent went up uh, 4%, but our average single family home price went up almost 8%. So that dynamic, purchasing versus renting, we kind of keep a close eye on. And I imagine there'd be a lot of factors that go into that, because obviously there's a lot more, that's a larger scale economic observation, because you got to factor in what's causing housing prices to right. go up and down, right? and then what would then be an encouraging factor for someone to buy versus to continue renting. Right, or build, you know, how much is being built, um, all those things. And population is, is in the background always. Right. Now, the other interesting uh, set of data that was in here is how the military ranked Alaska towns based off costs for this year. And I was surprised to see Juneau is also kind of, I would say, mid to top of the pack. Not Definitely not top of the pack, because it says, for their index, the U.S. average is considered a 100. And so Juneau is about 138. But then you compare that to, say, like places out in the valley, so like Wasilla, that kind of area, that's a one that's a one twenty eight. So that would be lower than us, but still higher than the US average. But then you have even ones higher than us, such as Bethel and Cordova, which were about a one forty six. So give me a bit of context of like what does that mean? Yeah, this is a uh, a cost comparison that the military puts together that excludes housing, which is a key point. So this is the military uses this to decide how much extra they need to pay people in overseas locations or in Alaska and Hawaii locations. Uh, so the what, what you think about what's left after housing, it would be um, it would be groceries, it'd be food um, and and miscellaneous stuff, entertainment, all those things. Um, but but I would say groceries sh- would be the the single biggest explanation for why, for example, Bethel is the highest. Juno is mid pack. Our groceries here are are fairly typical for Alaska, and then at the low end, you've got um, Anchorage and Wasilla, where for for non housing things and for housing things actually, but but. For this index, those things cost less than rural Alaska where goods have to be shipped a long way and, and quite often by almost all the time by water or air. And that's unusual compared to lower 48 um, kind of how groceries get places. Mostly they're trucked. Right. And then another factor I think would be important to know, especially for those, you know, valley locations, is there is a lot of like agriculture within the valley area. And so that probably also helps lower that as well. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That that up there, we, I tend to think of us as not have, and we don't have a lot of agriculture. But there would be the the the, the closest exception would be up there, where there there is a fair amount of um, locally grown produce, at least a little right. bit of dairy, a little bit, not not too much, mostly right. mostly the produce category. Yep. Now, looking at where we stack up nationally, I think this is another very important comparison to make, is we are not the top of the pack, but we're definitely pretty high up there. But I do notice that the main trend, and you and I were talking about this a little bit before the show, is that it's really the coastal cities that you see pretty high up on there comparatively. Yeah, and, and, and really just housing. Except for housing, the four Alaska cities that are included in this, this measure uh, that comes from a group that's been doing it for a long time. So it's credible and, and it's got a long series. Uh, but, but yeah, like we, like we touched on, uh, Alaskans, I, I think, who've been here a lot and haven't been in the housing market down south forget that, that the story of the 80s, and especially the 80s, maybe a little bit the 70s, Alaska have been extraordinarily high housing. Other cities have 
caught and surpassed us, a lot of them. So if you're, we talked about Honolulu, Manhattan, San Francisco, LA, even Bozeman, Montana has more expensive housing. And I say even, it's been kind of a hot place for a while. But those places where a lot of people have been, been moving to, the housing prices there have, have like I said, caught and surpassed Alaska housing costs. Right. And then that's where I notice we're going to see where that food cost goes up again. Yeah. Food, I mean, groceries, healthcare or two that uh, that's where uh, nobody has caught and surpassed this. For food and healthcare in particular, we have uh, the highest costs in the, in the nation. Okay. And so now my question for you is knowing all this information that we have now, what are some ways that this could really be applied to maybe help us potentially lower that inflation number in whatever ways that we might be able to. Obviously, that's a very large issue to tackle. But how can these numbers be used in such a way? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. It, it and, and I guess the key what entry point to trying to answer it would be to say how much of this uh, is driven by things we can change. And for the most part, it's we can't change. We can't change how far Bethel is from uh, supply chains and how little of what they consume locally and subsistence is an interesting exception to that. Uh, but housing is probably the the top of that. Housing policies that uh, and and that's very complicated too. But but that's the that's the one element of of inflation and and costs probably most uh, accessible most 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 amenable to, to policy changes that would produce more housing and, and ultimately lower the cost of housing. But it's not simple at all. And that's about what I figured you would say for a response, because like you said, there are factors that are within our control, but there's also a lot that aren't. Like we're not going to be able to fully move a town right. from where it's been at for so long just so we can lower the inflation numbers. The odds of that happening are extremely slim. Gas prices would be another example. That's driven by international factors. There's not much that local... Uh, governments, policymakers, statewide policymakers can do to affect gas prices. Little things at the margins. Right. And that reminds people who are always like, well, if we, you know, produce the oil, why can't we just use it here for our right, gasoline? Right. It's like, well, because we trade it. That's Yeah. And the refining capacity. And it's a, it's a fair question, but they're pretty, pretty kind of easy answers. It's like, there's always something that's like, here's why we can't do this thing. I have to do it a different way. And, and to that point, we need to be careful not to be too quick to assume we can't. I mean, it's always worth looking. Has anything changed? Is there something we could do? You always want to be open to, to somebody's um, being, argument, I guess. Uh, being flexible. Right. Yes. And open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now, I would also say maybe just kind of touch on these numbers one last time here because we are going to be wrapping up here in a little bit. You know, there's also this one thing that's talking about how far a dollar goes, and that was looking at a, primarily an anchorage. Could you maybe apply a similar type of situation to Juno? Maybe give me some sense of it in that regard? Yeah, so this is a study that, that tries to kind of normalize, if you make $70,000 in Anchorage, how much would you need to make in these other cities to have the same quality of life? Uh, and, and at the high end is San Francisco, and at the low end are some of the cities in the south. Uh, Tallahassee is the lowest on this little chart that we show. Uh, Juneau would be, would be roughly similar to Anchorage. Um, the housing would be the main difference. Groceries are a little more expensive here. Uh, utilities are a little less expensive there. But the, the, the basic 
kind of uh, comparison would hold that, that you'd have to make noticeably more in San Francisco or LA to live with the same quality of life as in Juneau and you could make noticeably less in Orlando, Tallahassee, even Spokane, some other Northwest cities than you need to make to live a certain way here. Gotcha. And that makes you wonder, now, seeing numbers like that bring up always that question of why we sometimes have problems with getting workers or keeping workers around. And then you see studies like that, and it, I would think it could maybe potentially give a gleam into why. Absolutely. And that issue of labor shortage, housing would be the housing and then child care has become a big issue, too. But but Juno and Anchorage, Anchorage would have an advantage over Juno in terms of availability of getting into housing. Right. Gotcha. All right. Well, we do have, it looks like, uh, about a minute left here. Is there any other big points you want to add in? I think we've covered it. I, I, I like your questions about what is responsible for high prices and then prices coming back down. And we've talked about that. We are uh, we're, we're, we're a, a ways away from population centers and, and food sources and, and goods production. We don't produce a lot of what we consume here. And that goes for both goods and services is another issue. Um, our, our location is strategic for kind of international travel sometimes, but for getting the stuff that we eat here and the building materials, we just, we're gonna have to pay a little more because it has to come a long ways and we're a small population. Gotcha. Well, Dan, I'd like to thank you for coming on and taking the time to talk with me. This is the, you, I find this is the most efficient way we've had for discussing economics issues because it, having you and I go back and forth about it makes it more understandable, I think. I hope so, yeah, it's it, it feels, uh, uh, accessible. I, I like your questions, and it's it makes me think. And a lot of times, I'm, I edit my answers later. But uh, but it feels it feels useful to me too. Gotcha. Well, thank you for coming on. You've all been listening to Action Line on KINY. <laughs>